You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. Well, what's going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm NFL Fantasy Football Podcast here. Coop, entering week eight, we survived the Biomageddon, the Bipocalypse, however you want to name it. We got through that. Through the week, all the key players returning to our lineups this week. We got some pretty good matchups still on tap, though, to pay attention to. How are things going for you? Yeah, it's crazy. I was looking at my lineups, and, man, I got so many options now. My team, it's not so bad. I feel all set. The calm after the storm, almost, right? So, yeah, it's kind of funny how that happens. But there are bye weeks to come, and then, of course, injuries mixing with with everything else. COVID, as we see with this Thursday game. So, got to stay on your toes. That's why we get on here, and we tell you everything that we know about these games to come, you know? Yeah, exactly. This week, uh, we gave no Baltimore Ravens, no Las Vegas Raiders. So, only two teams uh, on a bye this week, so not as bad. This one, we get a little bit of a reprieve before we have the coming weeks again where we're getting hit with four teams, five teams coming on by. So uh, your players will be active this week if you prepared, if you drafted, if you've been preparing ahead of time. Andrew and I have been talking about for weeks now, taking advantage of the waiver wire this week for next week so you're not spending all your fab money when everybody realizes oh, I need a receiver, oh, I need a running back or a tight end even. Jump ahead of the game and prepare for the next week. Uh, It's always a good strategy that I take, Coop. Yeah, and I'm saying that especially keep track of the rest of your league and the positions that have bye weeks, right? Because typically when you just have two teams on bye, you think to yourself, oh, I'll be able to grab a tight end or whatever, I'll be fine. But if you think about tight ends specifically, you had uh, Kittle and Pitts on bye, so those guys were grabbing backups. And then last week you had a ton of them, Knox, Schultz, the whole deal. And then now this week it's just two teams, but it's – Mark Andrews and it's um who was the other one? Darren Waller. Uh, and Darren Waller. So it's two big guys. And the guys that picked up all those tight ends in the weeks before you, they didn't really have any incentive to drop them and let you have them. So right. there are a lot of people that are struggling with that. If you had thought ahead though and looked at all that, then you should have been stashing somebody for week eight anyway. So just go take a quick look at your team league. See if you have a quarterback on a buy, see what other quarterbacks are on buy. See if anyone else is stashing guys and get that guy first. Exactly. Exactly. Coop, maybe one tight end that had been uh, dropped recently hitting waivers becoming a popular target for this week. Because Green Bay, Arizona, no Devontae Adams, no Allen. Robert Tunyon last week found the end zone. He's got, I think he's got a couple touchdowns now in like the last two or three weeks. But this is a matchup against Arizona where we've talked about. Arizona has improved you know, markedly against the tight end position. If we're looking at this Green Bay-Arizona game, the Cardinals are six-and-a-half-point home favorites, uh, 50 and a half game total here. Where do you see the target share going with this Green Bay offense? Last year, Robert Tunyon broke out. Because they were sort of in a similar situation. They had nobody else to catch the football. Yeah, so last year was a totally different situation, though. So people have been – I've been seeing on Twitter, people are saying, oh, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard were out for the Falcons game last year. But in that Falcons game, people forget that going into the game, the Falcons were missing their top two safeties, and the other two got carted off in the first half. So those three touchdowns weren't really just Robert Tunyon beating guys in man-to-man or doing anything crazy. Crazy Last year, Tunyon only had one contested catch on the season. So for me, I tweeted this out, but my advice on Tunyon is that I really get into a full start sit for every single player with Tunyon or no, because he's the probably the greatest boom or bust tight end already. And now he's become the ultimate boom bust because on one hand, they have no one to throw to. On the other hand, he's going against Isaiah Simmons, who is single-handedly just kind of 
he was he was drafted by them specifically to right. cover George Kittle, right? They let Devondre Campbell go, who is the top graded PFF linebacker because they have Simmons to do that job. So I say this, if you really need uh, some sort of juice for your team, go ahead and start Tunyon. Just remember that this guy might also catch zero passes because he's his specialty is not beating guys one-on-one and the Cardinals might just do that. Beyond him, I just want to say that a guy that I do in a just sort of one-week spot starter DFS is Randall Cobb. I think that he, he's he been playing in the slot for this team, but I think when you look at the other options, he might move out to flanker and play that role. Equinemia St. Brown is probably going to be the split end, but you might see Cobb moving all over the place. So he's he's more yeah. interesting to me than Tunyon. Yeah. Again, they, they brought him over here at the request of Aaron Rodgers. They they only really targeted him in that one game, but uh, certainly a spot to break out. Uh, you mentioned Vontae Campbell. He's on Green Bay, right? And they have uh, they got a Zach Ertz on the opposite side now at Arizona. Everybody loved what they got out of Ertz in the game one. How do you see the Cardinals offense shaking out here against Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, Ertz could run into trouble because I just mentioned Devondre Campbell, the top-ranked guy against the tight ends for linebackers, the top-ranked PFF overall linebacker in general, and he actually landed with Green Bay. He's been really good for them. So I don't really love Ertz in this particular matchup. Start him if you if you have to. I think that this is going to be a good matchup for Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore out of the slot. I think that Green Bay already had to basically take their corners and move them around, move them outside because of Jair Alexander. Alexander's out, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So they basically so when that happens, you you shift everybody. Right. So your slot corner becomes your second corner. Your second corner becomes your first corner. And then your nickel corner or dime corner moves up. And now the guys in the inside are facing guys that normally probably wouldn't even be playing. So I think that's where I think uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are going to be able to take advantage. Yeah, I'm in a full agreement with you on that one. Our next matchup that we have on board here, uh, Tennessee Titans going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colts are a one-point favorite at home. We just saw Tennessee probably shock the world what they did to the Chiefs offense last week. This one, we saw Carson Wentz win that win game, and uh, they had the Pineapple Express system going in there in, in, in San Francisco, but he came out of it two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Um, he's looked pretty good. He, he's healthy. Pittman looks good. Taylor getting a ton of volume here. How do you see uh, this Colts-Titans matchup shaking out? Yeah, so with no T.Y. Hilton and no Paris Campbell, it's basically Pittman and Zach Paschal. Uh, and Pascal's the guy you really only is a DFS guy you throw in just to save some money because he's going to run some snap. So he might catch a touchdown. So out of that offense, I like Jonathan Taylor, uh, Pittman, uh, Pascal. I'm not starting Mo Alley Cox. Once I was again, say, the touchdown machine that is Mo Alley Cox. It's insane because he the, the week before he ran nine routes. This week he we ran 12. Jack Doyle ran 20. It's he just goes out there, catches his touchdown, and that's it. I mean, there's really no upside to that, and the downside is too scary for me. He's like Dwayne Allen of five years ago right exactly and when it's bad it's bad and i think people that have been starting mo alley cox are forgetting that the guys you can really trust are the guys that catch five six passes and then either catch a touchdown or don't it's not really the guys that catch two or three and catch a touchdown or don't because it's bad when they catch one or two and running 12 routes you're at risk of that for sure on the other side of the ball you start Terrick henry you start ag brown where are you at on julio and pemba do you trust him the hamstring the whole deal i mean i definitely don't trust them but if he's healthy you gotta play him you're not gonna not play him yeah, he did have, I mean, it's, he showed us a Julio game at some point this season. If it wasn't for that, it'd be a lot easier. But when you saw, you know, that he's had a game 100, 130 yards or something like that, I know he hasn't scored a touchdown, which is very Julio of him. But he's a guy that's capable of dropping 100 yards on only six, seven, eight targets. So he's kind right. of a guy you have to get in there if he's if he's playing. Anthony Ferkser, you can stay away from. He's just not playing enough snaps either, which is disappointing. But it is what it is. 
What do you think about Tannehill? Do you have any interest in starting him this week? Uh, yeah, I think that in four-point passing, I mean, obviously super flex and two QB, but in four-point passing leagues, he he has that appeal of a guy that they have clearly shown they don't mind using a little trick around the goal line. They had Derrick Henry throw the touchdown. Anytime you fake it to Derrick Henry, whoever ends up with the ball in their hand scores an easy touchdown. But I mean, so right. I think Tannehill is always a threat for that. So unless you have somebody much better than you go with them. And in six point passing leagues, that's where I turn and I say, okay, this guy has one game with more than one touchdown pass. So right. that's, yeah, he's been that's fortunate the last two weeks to run for two scores. You know, last year I think he had seven rushing touchdowns. Henry had been getting almost all of that work this year, but lately, uh, at least the last two games, we've been getting a rushing touchdown out of Tannehill. So hopefully not a thing to come for those who have rostered uh, Henry. It's a little obviously frustrating when they get to the one, you like, all right, King Henry time. And it's, oh, nope, Tannehill over the top. You know, what are we doing? Something to pay attention to there. Next matchup, Cincinnati Bengals going into New York to face the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets are 10.5-point home underdogs. They just gave up, what, 54 points to the New England Patriots. Four rushing touchdowns a lot in that game. The Bengals on the flip side, Joe Burrow threw for 400 yards. I think it was like three scores against Baltimore. Mixon had a decent game there as well. This feels a game where... Cincinnati is just going to go in and blow doors. I think they're, they've outscored their opponents the last two games, 75 to 28. And that was Baltimore and Detroit. The one hangup I have maybe here is that it's the third straight road game for Cincinnati. And there's a historical betting trend that favors heavily the home team when you are on the road for the third straight game, both, both against the spread and straight up. So I don't know if you are a believer in those type of trends there, Coop, because this is a large mismatch on paper. You know, I actually I hadn't heard that before. So that's that's super interesting. And I would say that it's actually amplified for a team, the Bengals, where they are a very young team, right? T. Higgins in his second year, uh, Burrow in his second year, Chase is he's a rookie. They have a ton of young players there where if you were talking about Tom Brady and the and the Buccaneers, I'd say they could probably play the whole season on the road and be just fine because those guys have played all they've Tom Brady's played every team five times. He's beaten right. every team. So I definitely think for the Bengals, it's a little different. But on the flip side, the Bengals are also one of those teams that are they're hungry and they're still figuring out they're not a team that's going to take their foot off the gas if they're crushing a team. I think that they're just going to keep being, this is working. Let's keep doing it and keep getting reps. So I can see the Bengals also just blowing the doors off. You said Joe Burrow has thrown two touchdown passes, at least two in every single game this season. So Joe yeah, Burrow so is a guy. He's been rock solid. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been unbelievable. Just to pull back the, the article that I'm referencing here, it's a couple of years old, but it's, I doubt it's not that the trend has flipped dramatically, but this is citing over the last 10 years. It's very rare for teams to go three straight games on the road, but over the last 10 years, again, this is dated a few years back. The, uh, the road team there is 35 and 69 straight up. So uh, third game on the road, they're 35 and 69 as a record. And the under is hit in half of those games. So Again, do we think Cincinnati is going to be in danger of losing to the Jets? No, I don't. I don't believe that to be the case. The Jets have not proven to be capable. Uh, they don't even have Wilson at quarterback anymore. It's, uh, it's Mike White, who I've, again, who's Mike White as their quarterback, right. and the Bengals will look great. But again, if you are a believer in those sort of those historical trends, third straight game on the road, the road team is 35 and 69 over the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. uh, and again. Dated a few years, this article, but it's just something that I remembered and, and kind of looked back on today when I saw that they were the third straight road trip for Cincinnati. So 
<clears throat> excuse me, at least something to, to watch there. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just to recap for a fantasy standpoint, my feeling is that on the Jets, the only player I'm considering pretty much at all is Michael Carter. Yep. He's played, he's leading the team in pass and run snaps, which is, you know, huge. A lot of times that's split, but no one else I'm really touching unless I have to. I would but be encouraged Bank- that White did target Corey Davis a lot, but again, what are you expecting there, right? Right. Davis did play a ton of snaps too, so but he's going to get the the toughest cover guy, right. so always going to be tough in that situation. With the Bengals, I'm starting Jamar Chase, obviously. I'm starting Joe Burrow. I'm starting Joe Mixon. I'm starting T. Higgins. I, am, I don't feel good at all about Tyler Boyd. And C.J. Uzoma, he hasn't had, even though he scored all these touchdowns, he hasn't had more than three targets in any game except right. one. And that was the game where T. Higgins was out. So I don't trust him either. So I avoid Tyler Boyd and avoid C.J. Uzoma if you can. Yep. Philadelphia Eagles go into Detroit to face the Detroit Lions here. Lions, of course, 0-7 on the year. Uh, the Eagles, 2-5. and Jalen Hurts is not a great real-life quarterback, but he is among the highest fantasy point-per-game fantasy quarterback. So while you may look at his 50% completion percentage and cringe, the production's there. No Miles Sanders, I don't think we're going to see this week. A lot of people are looking at Boston Scott and Kendrick Gainwell, and I want to get your take on this because we've been very frustrated with the usage of Miles Sanders. Why? What are we expecting the usage to be on the two running backs that are going to fill in on for him? Do you see them at all seeing any sort of consistency in this in this offense and how they use their running backs? So anytime we go into a situation like this, in my mind, I always immediately consider it to be a split, right? Because we haven't seen it. So I always jump out and say, okay. I think about the game script, whether it's going to be a pass-heavy game or whether it's going to be a run-heavy game. I think that Kenneth Gainwell is going to skew towards the pass side. Boston Scott might skew towards the run side. There is a chance, though, that Gainwell gets the whole job. I don't I don't really foresee Boston Scott getting the whole job because Gainwell was one playing when nobody was in there. That said, it is the Detroit Lions. So for me, if I'm str- if you're in a situation where you're picking up guys off the wire and starting them, I'm willing to start Gainwell or Scott if that's the guy you ended up with. But I mean, I just wouldn't start them over proven talents because we don't know what it is yet. But I'm definitely putting them on the roster and waiting to see what it looks like. And then on the Jalen Hurts situation, here's the problem with that is that people are always, oh, well, I don't care if he's good in real life if he is putting up fantasy points. But the problem with this situation is that they do have a backup that they traded for in Gardner Minshew. So it's not really a situation where it's, oh, at the end of the game, they decide if he plays next week or not. It's more what we saw with the Panthers, where at halftime, if he throws two picks, he might get yanked and Minshew goes in and he doesn't have a chance to get those garbage time points. So that's- They're losing these games, the Eagles are. So it's while we, we like the production there, if if Hertz isn't doing enough to get the Eagles to win football games, then it's it's certainly possible. I'm not I'm not expecting a, a mid game pull here, especially against Detroit. But again, they're two and five, and he has a 58% completion percentage. It's not as if he's you know lighting up. His running ability is really saving the fantasy production. Last week aside, the previous two weeks he had two rushing touchdowns in each. So tough looks there. Dallas Goddard thoughts and impressions on him first week there. No Zach Hertz. It, amazing. It was exactly what we hoped it would be. He, the wheels are up and we are, we are already airborne, man. We are 40,000 feet. This guy had, he was forced in line because of Ertz, but in this game, he played 35 snaps at wide receiver. The most that we've seen him play since week 12 last year. And guess what week 12 last year was Zach Ertz was out. 
So, I mean, now it's it's on for Dallas Goddard. I moved him up into my upper echelon of tight ends, top six or so with, with guys Pitts and Hawkinson because he has a clear path to being the top two target on the team. Neither Rager or Quez Watkins have taken that step forward. We know Devonta Smith is there. So I trust, I trust Goddard. Regardless of who is quarterback, he is a main piece in that offense. On the flip side with the Lions, what are we doing, John? We're starting Swift. Swift. Yeah. You play Swift. You play Hawkinson. You can't trust any of the wide receivers, really. Honestly, in my opinion, How does right Sam Brown now, get no targets last week? <laughs> he played 30. I think it was 30. He plays. So he plays almost all his snaps in the slot, and he comes out for two wide receiver sets. That's what kills you, right? So he played so many snaps in the slot, and that's where Jalen Ramsey's been playing. So right. he basically kind of just got eaten up. Oh, actually, it wasn't even. So I went to look at that to be sure. I actually saw that Ramsey wasn't the guy in the slot. It was some guy named DeAndre something that they got from the that basically knew all Jared Goff's moves from playing with him before. And, you know, it was a just kind of was, OK, we'll just take this guy out of the game with this guy because he knows exactly what he's going to do. So and even outside of Khalif Raymond is the guy that is playing the most snaps. He's the one I would honestly trust out of those guys. The other ones, Kaderil Hodges and Ger- Jeremy, uh, Geronimo Allison. They were doing open live tryouts, pseudo tryouts during the game. Just I was surprised that Jeremy Allison was still in the league, truthfully. So, right. I think that at this point, with you know being seven and all, they're going to do what the Dolphins did in 2019 and just start doing tryouts. Try everything, see who's going to be part of this team in the future. You're not winning now, so I think it's going to get a little bit weird around there outside of Swift and Hawkinson. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you 100% there. I, I was at least maybe a little encouraged to see Williams get the 12 carries, but zero pass down work means he can't play him this week unless you're desperate for uh, any sort of running back. Carolina, Atlanta, Atlanta's uh, giving three, 46 uh, over under in this one. Uh, they said they wanted to establish the run with Juba Hubbard last week, and he did not look very good. The passing game was so bad, they ended up benching uh, Darnold there. So that experiment looks to be quickly crashing down. On Carolina. On the flip side, Matt Ryan quietly over the last four games, 10 touchdowns, just one interception. Kyle Pitts is becoming the man we thought he was going to be. Corderell Patterson keeps finding the end zone. It feels like the only guy that at times is lagging behind is, is Calvin Ridley, of all people. Yeah, and I think we're going to end up talking about the same exact situation with the Dolphins, but we got to start thinking about this in terms of what they're actually doing, which is they are rolling 11 personnel with Hayden Hurst as the tight end. Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and Russell Gage as the wide receivers. I mean, got to call a spade a spade. He's playing 73% of his snaps at wide receiver. So it's amazing that you can start a wide receiver at your tight end spot, but that's kind of the real situation of what this offense is, which opens things up a bit. Hayden Hurst isn't relevant. It's really just Pitts and Ridley for me. And then Cordero Patterson has taken over. So it's Patterson and Mike Davis is getting increasingly harder and harder to trust. Four carries this week. Yeah, pretty wild that Cordero Patterson is, uh, is, you know, how long has he been in the league now, Coop? And he's finally, you know, hitting his stride, right? You know, like... It's amazing, yeah. I mean, he was – I was – I remember being upset that the Vikings drafted him right before the Patriots picked in the first round. He was a yeah. first-round wide receiver that turned into – first-round wide receiver that turned into a return man and then turned into a running back. So <laughs> A weird transition through many years of frustrating performances. Next game, San Francisco, Chicago. Before before we go into that game, I just want to say, I just want to point out one trend that I don't think a lot of people notice is that did Chuba, now did Chuba Hubbard get hurt or banged up in the last game at all? Not that I'm aware of. He just didn't play well. 12 for 28 on the ground there. 
Uh, did they give Royce Freeman some some run? Sound the alarm. Royce Freeman played 25 pass snaps. Chuba Hubbard played 22. That is the one of the more that's so that's the split that becomes more alarming than any to us. We would rather see the guy that we trust to start play more pass plays. So right. sound the alarms there. Royce Freeman did play more pass snaps than Chuba, not just not just Chuba some. did have far more production. Yeah, he, he had five targets, four catches in that game. It, again, I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't check back exactly when maybe they pulled some guys out. So it could have just been that Freeman was out there towards the very end of the game, getting a lot of drunk time. I mean, they lost 25 to three. It wasn't yeah. a good game for them. So that's a, that's a good point. I'll take a look at that. Maybe I'll tweet something out if it, if it, if it holds water, but sometimes they do do that where they say, yeah. okay, se- second team in and they send yeah. down PJ Walker. So yeah, that's a good. So San Francisco, Chicago is the next game on tap here. The, the bears are getting four. That's a 39 and a half game total. Pretty ugly. San Francisco had Jimmy G back. Uh, I think what was notable with the return of last weekend, and maybe skewed a little bit because, again, how bad that weather was in San Francisco, was that Hasty came back and was their third down back. He was the guy that was being targeted uh, a lot in the passing game. I think he had like five targets or so. Mitchell was the running back. He's the guy that was getting the volume carries there. Debo Samuel will look fantastic with Jimmy Garoppolo back under center, even though Garoppolo himself kind of looked trash. On the flip side, Fields again looked miserable but i was stunned to see what we got out of there from the from the bears running a game we were questioning what would damian williams kind of impact be when he returned it wasn't a great matchup for them anyway is going up against tampa bay in terms of running the football and then khalil herbert goes 18 for 100 and adds five targets <laughs> in five catches mm-hmm. for 33 yards so it's, like, it's kind of his job unless you're reading elsewhere coop no, I, I mean, I think you pretty much hit it, hit every nail there, really, on, on this matchup, which is that Khalil Herbert and Elijah Mitchell are guys you can trust, right? So yeah. I'm taking those two guys where I got them. I'm finding a way to get them in my lineup, whether it's a flex or RB2. Those are guys you can trust, and this is a decent matchup. I know the over-under is pretty low. And then with the rest of the guys, you at least know who's playing. The Bears, it's simple. It's Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Komet. That's what it's been. It's just the volume hasn't been there. The target shares have been there for all three of them. There, it's pretty consolidated targets among amongst those three. It's just the the volume is trash, and it's probably only a matter of time if the games keep looking like this that we see Andy Dalton with the 49ers. It's Debo. Ayuk's not playing enough for me to really truly be interested in him, and we're just kind of waiting for George Kittle to come back. So any dwelly interest? I've seen some people ask some questions about him. Yeah, I mean, he's just his role. The, the thing about George Kittle's role, and this is the problem, is the thing about George Kittle's role is that George Kittle's role kind of sucks. It's he blocks a ton on pass plays. It's, he's just basically he's Gronkowski. So right. he, he can he can block a ton, but then also translate that into plays. And George Kittle has the most receptions of over 60 yards of any tight end over the last five years it's not even close i think he's got seven and the next closest is kittle with like i mean is uh gasecki with two and then kelsey has one it's sure. it yeah so it's dwelly going out when he blocks on five six seven pass plays it's not you don't get george kittle back so it's not a one-for-one swap mm-hmm. it is with logan thomas you can do it with ricky seals jones because logan thomas plays slot the whole game he never right. blocks on pass plays so you throw anybody in there and it's going to be good if you throw one we've seen that because ricky seals jones has actually been fantastic <laughs> since moving into the exactly so. if you put ross dwelly into the role that ricky seals jones is playing and i love ross dwelly but if right. you put if you have ross dwelly do what george kittle does it's george kittle squeezes lemons into lemonade every week in that offense <laughs> right 
Exactly. Uh, next match will be we have Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. Cleveland's giving Baker Mayfield not going to play again in this one. Case Keenum, the quarterback. Nick Chubb is expected to return. So those with Dearness Johnson are likely going to be looking at a split if he even gets any touches at all. And then you got Pittsburgh on the on the flip side there. I want to get your take on Friermuth. I've saw people ask you some questions on Twitter about him coming off obviously a big game before the bye week. I think it's seven catches on seven targets with no 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 juju there anymore. And what's your take on this matchup? Yeah, so the thing about Muth that's holding him back for me, it's kind of two, two, two pronged, right? So we talk about how Moelle Cox doesn't run enough routes. Friar Muth does not either, really. So Fr- Ricky Seals Jones is a great example. Friar Muth ran, has run 100, 110 routes this entire season. Over the last three weeks, Ricky Seals Jones has run 121 routes. So just by the nature of Ebron being out there, it all kind of splits that job enough down the middle. Now, the other problem that we look at is that the reason we Ricky Seals Jones is that we have guys who could be top two targets on their team. It's very rare for a team to support three pass catchers. And with Curtis Samuel out, the window's open for Seals Jones. Even with Juju out, they still have Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool to contend with. So this, plus they love throwing in Najee Harris. So the ceiling isn't necessarily high enough for me to love him. Though in Dynasty, you have to be liking the fact that he's already getting more snaps than Ebron. He's way. If anyone had any question about Hunter Long versus Pat Fryermuth, those questions are out the window. But I mean, it's he's the number two Dynasty rookie tight end after Kyle Pitts, and then there's a very large gap before the next one. You know. Yep, 100% there. Uh, anything that maybe we should be paying attention to other than we kind of know, I think, where the ball is going to go? In the- yeah, so I, I want to see if – we we know the guys on the Steelers' side. I want to see if Firemuth takes a bigger step forward. I want to see if Ray-Ray McLeod can kind of actually capture that juju role for deeper leagues. On the Brown side, are you – I'm not interested in – any of the tight ends, it's another exact exact same situation with the tight ends there. They all run 20 routes out of 45 pass plays, and it's kind of a – the athleticism of Njoku, if he was running 40 routes instead of 20, then you would love it. But right. If yeah. Njoku was in Washington, he might be a top tight end overall. Right? Exactly. Way up there, yeah. I, it's – but kudos to the Browns for – I mean, just think about the Browns' offense and what they've done. Kudos to their GM to have all these guys where it's – you lose Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Darius Johnson puts up a game that. It speaks to the line. It's, think about the tight ends. Austin Hooper's a, a great tight end. David Njoku is flashed. I mean, they got a third guy there, Harrison Bryant, that can play. They have depth. Crazy. So, you know, and then, of course, the quarterback is the one that gets hurt. Is he? I heard he's trying to play. I mean, they're probably better off if he didn't play. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback. So in case Keenum <laughs> let him let him to a win. So he was, a, in fact, a limited participant in practice today. Uh, we're recording here on Wednesday. So, yeah, maybe maybe Baker's going to try to give it a go. Case Keenum completed 64% of his passes for 199 and a score and a win over Denver last week. So uh, you know, pretty much on par from, if not better than what they had been getting at the quarterback position. So. Keep, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Jarvis Landry, too. He was limited today as well. So sure. uh, Landry could be a guy that you have We're to. We're out on OBJ, right? Yeah, I think we got to be at this point. I mean, it's it's a sh- it's a shame, but he, he's banged up, and he wasn't even that great when he was fully healthy. So right, Next matchup here, we have a 14-and-a-half point spread. We got the Rams going into Houston. Uh, Texans, I think Tyrod is back for this game, Coop. Is he going to be activated? Let's see. Yep, return to practice. I think I think he's going to play this week. So thoughts on, on Houston? Anybody in this matchup, obviously we know for the Rams, it's Henderson, it's it's Cooper Cup, it's Robert Woods. I've seen some people tweeting out stats about Texans versus tight ends. You're not a Higby guy, but is this a Higby spot? It is a Higby spot. Actually, if you check my um, 
every week I post my rankings with both the overall and the weekly rankings. And I do have Higby as a tight end one. I think I'm like 11. So I, Higby's not a guy that I own really a lot of, but if you own him, it's not, it's probably the best matchup he's ever going to have. The Texans are the very worst team versus tight end. I know that people, if you look at the numbers, it might say Ravens, it might say Chargers have let up a little bit more points, but the Ravens is saying it is in fact Houston as the last, the worst team. So, okay. It's yeah. I know that because it's PPR there, but the rate like the, and the Ravens and Chargers are the next two closest I imagine on there. But the Ravens have played Kelsey Waller, Hawkinson, Fant, and they just let up two touchdowns to CJ Uzoma. And then the Chargers are in the same Which makes me think that maybe they really are bad against tight ends. And it wasn't the fact that they were facing the gauntlet they did before. It could be it could be a combination <laughs> of the two. But just imagine what the Texans stats would look like if they faced that gauntlet rather than <laughs> right. Tommy Tommy Tremble and whoever they've played. So yeah, but so I'm interested in, in Brandon Cooks where where needed. He's a band-aid player, right? You you where you drafted him, he was your fourth wide receiver most likely anyway. And where you need a bye week fill in, he's always there, which is nice to have. David Johnson's a guy that in a game script this that is guaranteed to be negative, you could sneak him into a DraftKings lineup for cheap. I mean, he has multiple games with four he has two games with four targets two games with six targets and these are all these negative game script games so he's upside's not really great but daryl henderson is the man played a full snap share love him and then you already said the wide receivers there van jefferson played a pretty strong snap share there i don't know if they're gonna throw a ton but interesting there as well yeah, Van Jefferson's always a tough guy for me to want to... Yeah, I'm looking whenever I look for value in DFS. No, there is Van Jefferson. We know the Rams are going to throw. Maybe he'll pull one out. And he has twice this year come up with some... Or three times this year come up with some pretty big games. Rest of the time, kind of mediocre. But yeah, it could be a different spot for him. Miami versus Buffalo. Miami going into Buffalo here. Buffalo's a two-touchdown favorite. 49 and a half game total. Again, where are we... What are we doing here on the Miami side? Because Buffalo coming in, the top-rated defense. Yeah, I mean, that even even at home, 14 and a half. How do you feel about that spread? Feels a little high, even. No, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I, I feel it's maybe a thought of two teams going in different directions here. Miami maybe starting to, I mean, two has looked good, but I think people are kind of high on Buffalo, even though they did just lose to 10. They routed Kansas City. I think that's still on people's memories there. So, and, and Allen's really playing well. Now, these two teams played earlier and, and Coop to that point, Buffalo won 35 nothing. So, mm. you know, and, and that was a game in which Josh Allen only completed 51% of his passes so, for 179 yards. So that was in Miami. They shut him out 35 nothing. I think a lot of that has to do with it. Now, we've seen better two in recent weeks. We've seen Kosicki really come on. Jalen Waddles looked very good. The week we say Miles Gaskins is maybe droppable, he actually comes through again with a pretty decent game last week. Not that I think you can trust him this week against Buffalo by any sense of the imagination, but the offense, I feel, in Miami has a lot of questions, and then they're going to be put to the test against this Buffalo offense. Yeah, I mean, that was the game that Tua got hurt in, in right. the game, right? Yeah, that yep. that always throws everything into into shambles. You're much better with a week of practice with your backup than just having them come in mid-game. So, But I guess that's why the spread's not 14 and not 35, right? So, yeah, I, I really don't love anyone on Miami outside of Gasecki and Waddle, potentially. But I'd feel a lot better about Waddle if, if Devontae Parker were playing. I, sometimes I just feel you when you have these situations where what the— what the um, Dolphins have basically been doing is using two tight end sets. And if you could see me right now, you'd see air quotes because Mike Gusecki played 50 snaps at wide receiver and two in the slot. Last, I mean, two at, at inline tight end last week. So it's with just Waddle there and no Parker, the heat is going to be on. Sometimes you need another guy to take the heat off a little bit. So concerns there for me. On the other side, I'm starting Stefan Diggs everywhere. I'm starting 
uh, Emmanuel Sanders everywhere that I have the chance. How do you feel about the running backs for the Bills? Are you... I mean, it's Moss, I guess. I mean, Singletary's gotten some work, obviously, in both the running and passing game, but the volume is just really hard to trust anybody. Right. Yeah, nobody really gets 10. There's not going to be a game where one guy... That's what happens with these split backfields, right? When they have... 20 carries to give out they don't give it to one guy but there are some games where one guy will just get them all but in this team it's maybe they give them all to moss to start but if they have extras then they're going to spread them so you never really get the upside that's that's kind of the, the bummer there yep I, I agree with you on that one uh next matchup jacksonville seattle uh seahawks three point favorites uh, even with geno smith as their quarterback we did see alex collins even with penny activated lead the team in, in rushing attempts in that game jacksonville's fresh off a bye off a win as well from, from their game what are we thoughts on this offense what do you i asked you this a couple weeks ago and i want to get your take on again what what are we doing with jamal agnew because he is a I think he's like $3,500 on DraftKings this week or $3,600 on DraftKings. But Jamal Agnew is, I'll tell you this, he's a megastar in draft with Giants that where you get points for return yards too. I mean, he's just, he's an electric player. I mean, he's a gadget type player in my opinion still, but when he gets the ball in his hands, he can scoot. So I'm yeah, still I'm looking at open. 63 and 59% snap share the last two weeks. He's got 13 targets, 11 catches. And it kind of coincides with that game where Chark went out. And then you've talked about how they moved LaVisca to the outside. It was Agnew now the new LaVisca in this offense. Yeah, I think that's the situation. So, yeah, Char- LaVisca played almost, he's playing 40, 30, 40 snaps a game in the slot. The last two, he's played 7 and 12 in the slot, 45 and 39 on the outside. So complete role change for him. And that Urban Meyer wanted to use this gadget Joker player. He wanted it to be a Travis Etienne. He wanted it to be LaVisca for a little bit there until they lost Chark and needed another guy on the outside. So I think he's going to play that role, which every offense kind of has that one role that's just kind of, that's, it might not be pivotal to the overall goal of the team, but they're the one that get get the exciting plays. So uh, definitely a DFS play for me. I mean, I think in general, this game is going to suck. Sorry, oh, yeah. I don't really yeah, know yeah. How, how else to say it when it's the Jaguars against Geno Smith. But You would hope Jacksonville's offense is the one that does the damage here. I mean, you got lucky last week at DK Metcalf, I think. It was two for 90 in a score because he threw down Lattimore on a route and scored. I'm not, I'm not really expecting much from the Seattle side, but I mean, we've seen great things out of Robinson of late. We know Marvin Jones is capable. I mentioned Dan Arnold. I know last week wasn't a great performance. Two catches for 27 yards. We saw the snap share the week before, 73% against Tennessee, and had a really big game there for them. So some cheapy plays there for Jacksonville this week going up against a bad defense. Yeah, and honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I would trust Marvin Jones with my life over Tyler Lockett right now because (laughs) Geno is just, he just seems he likes that bigger target, not really looking to finesse it to Tyler Lockett the way you have to, or extend the play long enough really to let Tyler Lockett do the Tyler Lockett thing, which mm-hmm. is what Russ always did is right. You run around long enough. Tyler Lockett is just an artist at finding that hole in the defense or baiting them in close and then running and getting behind everybody. So I just don't think that Gino knows how to exploit that. So I'm pretty scared as a Tyler Lockett owner. I'm benching him in at least one league. I've already decided he's out. So. Yep. No, it's it's sad, but it's it's the the reality of things here. And we're still probably three weeks away from anything from Russell Wilson. So tough sledding there for, for those who have Seahawks shares. Next matchup, New England goes into uh, Los Angeles to face the Chargers here. Of course, last year, Coop, if you remember, Justin Herbert had maybe his worst game of the season up against the Belichick defense. Uh, not quite the same, but 
Yeah, New England coming off a big win. And the Chargers are, are one of the worst teams you mentioned earlier against tight ends, but also really, really bad against the run this season. If Again, if we're just looking at DraftKings scoring for DFS purposes, they, they're the ranked 25th against the run. So they're the seventh worst team. Damian Harris, back-to-back 100-yard games against Dallas and, and the Jets. Three straight games with touchdowns for him. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on our Patriots and this Chargers team? Yeah, I'll start with the Chargers because so I'm – I'm in a decent number of leagues and I don't really do a ton of trading because typically I will draft in a way that I'm reaching for the guys that I want. I don't really go by ADP. So I'm like, oh, I didn't get my guy there. I usually go for my guys and get them or I craft the team I want through waivers and stuff. But I am actually actively trying to acquire Keenan Allen. I love that he plays the slot and then put, moves to the outside for two wide. I think that it's only a matter of time till he starts having some of these big games we expect. This week could even be one of those. I don't think the, the Patriots are going to fall for the put your best guys on Keenan Allen and then Mike Williams gashes you the way other teams have fall, fallen for that in recent weeks. I think that there's a, there, there's a possibility that they just go man-to-man they've been doing and in a, in a, just a man-to-man situation of Keenan Allen to do better than Mike Williams. No. So Keenan Allen's a guy that I'm trying to buy everywhere, but uh, I think Jared Cook's going to struggle this week. If they do go man-to-man, the Patriots have been using man-to-man on over 50% of the snaps, which is kind of unheard of in the modern NFL. So on the Pat side, I, as always, I, Hunter Henry, I think that a sneaky play is for people that are struggling at tight end if he's healthy with the shoulder is Johnny Smith. I know Brandon Staley loves to play zone. And as we saw last week with the Jets, who play a ton of zone, Johnny who can get open underneath. That's what he does best. He he's not good man to man. He's but he when he gets the ball in space, he can do big things as we saw last week as we saw with the Titans. Like 70 yard catches the whole deal. So kind of a sneaky play there. Probably more of a DFS play than anything with Johnny. But um not crazy to think that everyone's gonna be on Hunter Henry for the revenge game and Johnny can sneak out versus zone. For the running backs, uh, John, what are your thoughts? Are you starting Damian Harris? Are you starting Brandon Bolden anywhere? <laughs> I got this question asked me in alarm at hours last night by fence. I don't want to be I mean, if you're, I mean, running back is such a shamble right now that there's definitely people who have to start Brandon Bolden. The target shares in there is he's taking sort of over that pseudo James White role. He's not getting any carries though. So it's, it has to all be passed down work. I do think you're starting Damian Harris for sure. I, I it's for me, Bolden's a pure necessity in a PPR league. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You have, if you have to use him, it has to be full PPR and just beware that it could be Dimitri. We watched Dimitri Felton have no carries and then in a situation where you think okay well he's got this role now when you're in that role and you only catch two passes or three passes you can see what that looks like just go look at james white's game log from pretty much any season it, sometimes it looks awesome sometimes it's a it's a brutal spot in your lineup jacoby myers is the guy i'm definitely starting in ppr Aguilar and Bourne just aren't quite playing full snaps Jacoby myers played ran 39 routes the other two only ran 31 so it's they're kind of redundant assets almost they're big big shot big play type guys do you, do you have any spot for those guys or are they just kind of dfs guys yeah dfs guys for me all right yeah. again tough to trust next matchup we got we got tampa bay versus new orleans uh new orleans are getting six points here to 50 over under i'm my quarterback coach this week i actually put tom brady in the fade section just based off purely i said purely based off home road splits brady has three passing touchdowns in his three road games this year quarterback rating of 93 only averaging 20 fantasy points and i say only in quotes there because 20 is pretty solid but it's just just remarkably better at home this year. You're going up against the Saints defense. I know Lattimore got 
you know, shelled by Metcalf in that one game, but Brown's not back and Matacor, Lattimore maybe has the clamps down on, on Evans in this one. Maybe it's a down game for Brady. I don't like this game really for the Saints side of things either, even even if Winston for a little revenge. But for me, this is a, you know, I'm going to be curious to see how this one plays out from a fantasy perspective. So you were the one that told us all the stats about Brady at home. And then he came out and, you know, crushed. Yeah, yeah four yeah. first half touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, he's got more, yeah, more touchdowns in the first half of the Bears quarterbacks have thrown all season. Yeah, uh, he had, the Bears had thrown 11, I think they had 11 total touchdowns, and Brady had 14 home passing touchdowns, so. Wild, yeah. And now is, question, you mentioned Marshawn Lattimore, is he turning into the new Cortland Finnegan, where he's just, he, he's been a pretty good corner, very good, but at times he can be beat. But I mean, he is getting under everybody's skin. I feel every week he's fighting somebody. He's fought Mike Evans five times. <laughs> yeah. Last week he was fighting DK Metcalf out there. And mm-hmm. I mean, DK Metcalf is probably the last wide receiver on the planet that I'm interested in fighting. You know what I mean? So is he, is that, is that him now? Is he a Brad Marchand? Yeah, the, uh, he felt uh, like he got cheap shot. And I mean, it was an away from the play sort of block by, by Metcalf there, which was clearly a cheap shot, right? But it's within the rules because, I don't know, the, the play was still happening, but it wasn't near them. They were just sort of standing next to each other, and Metcalf came over and just gave him a hard hit there. So it sparked the the sort of open hand slap to the face and the 15-yarder penalty that he ended up getting. So I'll tell you what, though. If I know anything about this Lattimore character and, and the altercations that he's been in, that I don't think that started with DK Metcalf. I don't know up and down the field the whole time going out one another for sure. I think that Lattimore is the one that started that stuff, which if you're a cornerback, that's actually great. If Especially if it's your job to shut down one star wide receiver, if you can get that dude and you kicked out of the game, you just did your job. And... Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen Evans quit in this matchup before. When he was a Tampa Bay with Winston at quarterback, there were games where like, you just see Evans walk off the sideline basically as a play is over because he knows he knows the ball wasn't even going to come close to going to him. So now Lattimore hasn't been that type of corner at times this year, but I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the recent matchups and you know, I know Brady changes the equation for a lot of things, but when he's probably you still have to start. I'm not saying don't play Tom Brady this week. No, you play him. And I, I was just mentioning for DFS and you look at the home road splits this year, they've been uh, a drastically different story between the two. Yeah, so I'll tell you, I'll give you one for DFS. I mean, we kind of know with this game, for, we've been talking about this game a lot for a lot of known situations, right? Marquez Callaway's your best option snap-wise, and he's not even a good option, really. Kamara's pretty much all you get out of that game, out of that side. And then you obviously have Godwin and Evans, who are in kind of must-start situations. But one guy in DFS that, DFS that I'm kind of sneaky interested in is a Tyler Johnson. He played a huge snap share last week in terms of, like, Typically, Antonio Brown only plays 60, at most 70% of the snaps. So in a normal game where they play 60 snaps, he's playing 30, 40. Tyler Johnson just this past week played, I think it was 49 snaps. And Mike Evans played 56. Godwin played 61. So he was right there with them playing a fairly full snap share. So he, to me, he could be, especially if Lattimore is going to be on Mike Evans, could be kind of an interesting DFS start though, so. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he's somebody that people have been wanting to be something going back since last year. So uh, going back to his sophomore (laughs) year of college for you, Debbie and uh, Dynasty people. Tyler Johnson was the back when he was in Minnesota, right? Yeah, no, 100 percent. So next matchup, we got Washington versus Denver. Uh, We know how bad the Washington secondary can be. We got Jerry Judy expected to return this week for Denver. Bridgewater has been okay. We saw Javante Williams actually outproduced Melvin Gordon last week involved in both the passing game and the running game. So I don't know, Coop, if maybe we're finally starting to see 
that shift. You have the snaps in front of you. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong here. But this matchup, I have to see. I want to see how Judy fares against a bad secondary in Washington. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that once the for the last game, he did kind of outproduce him. But at the same time, once again, Melvin Gordon played more snaps. He played, sorry, I actually didn't have that one in front of me, but I looked at it earlier and I know that Melvin, once again, did play more snaps. So Melvin played 29 snaps and Javante Williams only played 21. Melvin played more, pa- 20 pass plays to 16 for Javante and then it was eight to four. So it's it's still kind of crazy that Javante looks better, especially in the run game, but they're still leaning on Melvin. And Javante let up the sack in the pass protection, but Melvin hasn't been amazing at it really either. So it's just, it's an unfortunate split down the middle for anyone that was hoping for a big time upside, but we'll see what happens. If they keep losing, you said they're now three and four. If it gets to the point where the, the season's slipping away, maybe they do lean on to Javante. What I'm interested in seeing is the wide receiver situation, right? So previously you would have Corden Sutton uh, and Jerry Judy playing pretty much the full snap share. And another, whenever another wide receiver came in, you would see Judy move into the slot. We see this with uh, Cooper Cup. When it's three wide receivers, Cup's in the slot. When it's two wide receivers, though, Cup doesn't come out. The other guy comes out. At this point, is it going to be Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick on the outside and Judy in the slot? Or is it going to be Sutton and Judy with Tim Patrick coming out of the game for two wide? What are your thoughts on that situation? I have to think that Patrick is the one that comes out, right? They want mm-hmm. Judy and Sutton on the field. That's That's got to be their group. Yeah, I think that I think that's the I think that's the case, and I think it's not as big a deal while Albert Aquebunum is out. But when he comes back, it, that could turn into a situation where maybe if they're easing Judy in, maybe you have to worry. But that's something I'm definitely monitoring. I want to see how that looks. And then for Washington, anybody Terry McLaurin's banged up. If Terry McLaurin doesn't play, is there anybody? Are we doing De'Ami Brown? Is there any Washington wide receiver that you're interested in, in in at least a DFS throw or maybe even a deep league start? Not really. <laughs> not not really for me. I mean, I don't know. For me, this offense, we mentioned it's, it's McLaurin, it's Seals Jones, and I don't even really want to touch the running backs, truthfully. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the running backs eat up too many receptions for you to even consider an Adam Humphreys. I wouldn't go Adam Humphreys. If I, was, no. if, I, if I wanted to play that game, I would go with the rookie, De'Ami Brown, even though he didn't play that many snaps last week either. But you'd saw you could start Gady Gold and any of those guys. At least Brown's fast. Yeah, this also fast. doesn't seem a game that's going to be forcing the pace either. So a 44-game total, I wouldn't shock me if this came under as well. So just just not a game I, I love from a fantasy perspective outside. Maybe the Denver receivers. But then again, they, don't, they have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So what can we even really expect there? So. The 4 o'clock games, that's probably the worst one for fantasy let's be real oh 100 percent. yeah but this next game though at the yeah, uh, sunday night football game dallas game. minnesota yeah. um, by bye weeks fresh off the bye weeks here both these teams minnesota's getting a point and a half at home a 55 game everything that you want here i even think that did i see that correctly earlier that they what's his face got activated to return Gallup. Did Gallup, Gallup. Get activated? Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. He's he's been activated. He's back at practice. I think he's gonna play. That's that's what I heard. So that's I mean that's wild. That's obviously any Cedric Wilson truthers. That's gonna have that dream's gonna have to go back on hold. What do you uh, think happens with Dalton Schultz? I think that I think what happens is they they continue to deploy things to a certain degree they way they were before, which is three wide receivers most of the time. I think Gallup will be the odd man out, especially since he's coming off injury when they want to go two tight ends. I think this kind of re-vaporizes Blake Jarwin. 
but I think that the the targets are going to be a little more thin. Michael Gallup in the first game had seven targets, and he he got hurt before the game even ended. Only played sixty percent of that game. So I think if you just kind of look at what they've been doing in a game where Schultz gets seven targets, maybe he only gets five instead. So I've been warning people about the potential for this, and now we're going to see it. So so many people say, oh well, Schultz has carved out his targets. I think this the, the targets come from somewhere else. Somewhere else. Where do they come from? Who they're gonna they're gonna throw they're gonna focus on Schultz and not use Judy and Amari as much. I mean, that just doesn't, right. it seems counterproductive. No, uh, yeah, yeah. CD and Amari there. So CD, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, again, it's helpful that this offense is kind of straightforward. You know, Zeke's going to get the ball, Paul Rob, uh, his snaps and whatnot. Minnesota, same thing with Steeling, but it's uh, Jefferson that it is. Dead. What are you, where are your thoughts on Conklin this week for those who maybe are in need of a tight end pickup? And Osborne keeps on finding his way to a, a pretty decent target share. Yeah, I think the problem there is that we, we said we talked about the top two target situation. It's not even a question. You want it to at least be a question with the Bears. You can at least say, well, it's it's not 100% Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet could sneak his way in there. With this situation, it's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Tyler Conklin is just not going to be at the top of that pecking order. Maybe every once in a while he randomly might have more targets than one of them, but it's just not going to happen. So him and CD, him and KJ Osborne are kind of butting heads and battling for an irrelevant target share and at best inconsistent target share. Not to mention, Tyler Conklin is blocking on seven or eight of his pass plays a week, which is what we talked about with George Kittle. It's People talk about his snap share, but if you're blocking on a pass play, you might as well not be on, a, on the field at all for fantasy purposes. So you kind of got to take, it's almost like the equation should be take the snap share and take the pass snaps that he blocks on and subtract those. And that's your real share because route participation, that's the number you should be looking at. And Tyler Conklin's is not good. So he's high over under. If you're in a total pinch, toss him in there. But I put out a whole list of guys that I better, which includes guys like Evan Ingram, Ricky Seals-Jones, even Tyler Higby. And if you're looking for just a dart throw touchdown guy, maybe Robert Tunyon too. So uh, sure. I have Conklin pretty far back on that list. CJ, even CJ Uzuma. I, I just, again, names that have been popular this week as we're looking for tight end replacements. He certainly popped uh, out on that list there. Anybody, any final thoughts on this matchup? No, I mean, the, I just want to say I, I love what the Vikings do. Two wide receivers and running back. Perfect. Do it with every team. Yeah, easy. Straightforward, easy. We know who's getting the ball. Um, yeah, yeah. Last matchup of the of the uh, the week here. We have the Giants facing the Chiefs. Uh, ten point uh, spread in this one. Fifty two and a half over. Obviously, we know the Giants' injury struggles. I think Galladay actually was back at practice today, or at least dressed for practice. I think I saw. We saw Shepard come back. Or Slayton last week. Maybe Shepard comes back. They're getting healthier. Obviously, no Barkley quite yet. And then on the flip side, what is going on in Kansas City, right? What is happening with Patrick Mahomes and this offense? Right. The, the fact that it's only a 10-point spread while the Chiefs are at home is telling, right? Because typically, you know, the Giants going into Kansas City, if it were, they were firing on all cylinders, the spread would be 21. You know what I mean? So the fact that it's only 10 is the Bills are bigger spread over the Dolphins. So it's it's pretty wild that that, that spread there. I, w- I just want to say, could, it, could the Giants slot – for this week as a team who every wide receiver is questionable and it's all over the place them being the monday night game could there be a worse slot for a team that where you now it's forcing you to make all these decisions <laughs> about these guys way in advance and yeah i mean have... I, i've been getting questions this week about the giants guys and i've been telling you you can't play them you know you have to play the guys who are playing because you can't need zeros you just can't do it at this point so if you if you have a Galladay or Shepard or Tony or anybody, and you're waffling, unless you find out 
after Friday's practice that they're good to go this week or trending in the right direction, you can't. Right. And what sucks is that the Chiefs don't even have a bunch of those other guys that you can put in in a pinch. Think about if this were Giants Broncos, at least you could say, okay, well, I have Tim Patrick and Kenny Galladay. Worst case scenario, I start Tim Patrick. The Chiefs don't really have guys that you don't feel comfortable starting Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle or even Michael Hardman, really. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you could just load up on the guys that might play. And same with the Giants. You can't just be like, oh, I'll just start Dante Pettis. You know, it worked last week because you're a genius, John, but I don't know about this week. So <laughs> I do, one guy I do, I do Devonta Booker. I mean, you sh- there's no substitution for playing all the snaps for a running back, right? That kind of cures everything, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So I love that. Evan Ingram, the, the Chiefs are a uh, bottom five team versus the tight end. And Ingram, over the last three weeks, he's seventh exactly in all three of these stats, routes, run, targets and receptions so not i mean he, he gives you a floor and especially in a game like this where it's over under a 52 and a half even if the chiefs crush him that just means the giants have to keep throwing so i do ingram there i'm probably not starting daniel jones anywhere and then the wide receivers he said so kind of tough situation but chiefs and then the chiefs of course you start out you start the four guys right you start Mahomes, you start hill you start kelsey you start Daryl Williams. Is there anywhere else? Anyone else? You, you, can, you can include Michael Harmon, I think, in that group. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, he's he's good enough. I mean, that I guess that would be he would be the guy where if you had Kenny Galladay and Michael Harmon in one spot, then you go into Monday saying, I'll start one or the other, right? right. Or Kadarius yep. Tony or whoever. That in that situation, I'm comfortable. It's just you can't look at it and say, oh, I'm going to bench this guy. At, my only other option plays at one on Sunday. I'm going to bench him and just, right. and just roll the dice. You can't do that. No, can't, cannot do that. So that wraps up our look here at week eight. Uh, Coop, give us our lifestyle tip of the week. Yeah, so this one actually comes from Front Yard Fantasy from this guy, Simon. He's a great dude. Check FYF Simon. He turned me on to this which at work, I, I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of uh, doodling and stuff. And I just kept going through all these pens. Couldn't really find ones that I liked. Kind of my whole desk was a mess. He actually showed me fountain pens, which I've never gotten into. But if you, and I I went and got one, did the whole, grab, grabbed a, an ink bottle. Dude, if you get a pen that you're comfortable with, that you can refill, not only is that amazing to just know that you're going to be comfortable with this pen and using it every day and that you can always count on it and refill it and it'll be dependable but it's actually also pretty good for the environment to be honest to just not be chewing on and throwing away big pens they end up in a big you know pile in the ocean in the pacific ocean so if you want a recommendation on one i he got he told me to get the twsbi eco and it's been awesome and it's only 20 bucks or so which you're gonna say it sounds a lot for a pen but i I can basically use this pen forever so fountain pens man over uh you know cheap ballpoints and stuff that just just the shoes we talked about last week. Try and set yourself up for long-term sustainability and and actual comfort and feeling good. You said, John, I'd rather spend a little bit more on something that'll last me forever than continually have to be, oh, I need new shoes. I need new pens. I need new, just, yeah, I did, get, I did that. I shaved my head, Coop, as maybe not listening to everybody. And I was buying the $10 clippers that would break every three months. And finally, I was like, no, forget it. I'm just going to buy the hair dryer professional, the hairdresser professional $90 set of clippers that I've literally had now for eight years. As long as you maintain them, you know, use the oils, clean them, do all that stuff. These things are meant to last forever. So at that point, instead of spending the $15 to $20 at the CVS every time they would break, I just bought one that was worth what I would already spent. And it's lasted me way longer than the other ones were. So. 
Boom. Double life tip this week. I mean, so for me, I write, if you, if you write all the time and stuff and you find your hand getting cramped, all the stuff, then invest in a good pen. If you don't, then just use whatever. Same with you. If you're using clippers all the time, invest in good clippers. Think about parts of your life where you're using these things every single day and just upgrade, man, and then upgrade and buy it for life. So that's the advice this week. Definitely. Definitely. So that wraps up everybody. Good luck. And we will catch you guys next week.